Welcome to episode 2 of the County Derry Post Political Podcast. This week we speak to Maherfeld Councillor and DUP Leader on Mid-Ulster District Council, Paul McLean, about longevity, the Irish language and his proudest moment during 32 years of public service. Well, I'll just start off with a, a nice, easy one. Could you tell me why you got involved with local politics to begin with? Um, well, I was always interested in people, and I was very interested in helping people. Uh, I suppose in my circumstances, I was uh, I, I sort of just grew into it, mm-hmm. and uh, this was an outward progression. I joined a political party, and then uh, the opportunity arose for a position. Uh, as a councillor and I readily accepted it and that was 32 years ago and the rest is history. I was first elected in 89 and uh, then during Macrofelt days I did two uh, different years as chair. I did 2007-2008 and then I did 2012-2013 in in an extra different term. Served as the chair as Macrofelt which was a great privilege. Would that make you one of the longest serving members of the council? I'm not sure. To be honest, that's something I really never. I, I think I am, I am, but it's something I never really paid much attention to. It's, it's not something that I get hung up on. Uh, I suppose that brings the next question. Probably has quite a long range to choose from, but is there any achievement in your years in the council that you're particularly proud of? For me, the issue is delivering for the people of the area. Originally, it was delivering for the people of Macrofelt. Now, naturally enough, it's delivering for the constituents of Mid Ulster, mm-hmm. and it's. It's maybe very, very difficult to single out to particular elements because local government is all about delivering on the day-to-day bread and butter issues and things that affect the daily lives of our constituents. The good factor feeling of delivering and seeing people' needs being met and satisfied is extremely gratifying. Uh, and those, those, those come on a, on a daily basis or a weekly basis as we perform our duties as a councillor assisting and helping our people. If I was to choose a particular highlight, maybe for want of a better word other than, than, uh, than anything else, I suppose one of the, the highlights was whenever I was the chair in 2007-2008 and we uh, harnessed all their schools, uh, primary and secondary schools and uh, grammar schools throughout the whole of Macrofell district and we ran a, a musical festival or a musical uh, evening in the Leisure Centre Mahara, and where we had 600 kids taking part from right across the district. Teachers, councillors, council staff, all all came on board, really great comradeship and worked together. And we raised over £20,000 for Macmillan Cancer. That was a, an extremely gratifying and uh, an experience. And I still have the DVD of the the whole thing to this day of what we did and it was tremendous and everybody worked and pulled together and uh, it was great to see the children perform It also gave us an opportunity to um, to display the local talent mm-hmm. and what the schools and all that were able to perform and do was just amazing and outstanding. I suppose that's that's good to see whenever you've got an entire community come together for something like that. It's, it's, it is gratifying, as you say. And then on the flip side of that, what would you say would be the biggest challenge you faced in your time on the council? I, I, I'm on record as stating that 95% of everything that we do in council is we have a united front. Mm-hmm. And I don't need to make you aware that the makeup in council for unionism is difficult because Sinn Féin and the SDLP and the Independent Republicans 
form the largest uh, share of our council. Therefore, they have an outright majority. So the challenge, the challenge is to make sure that the unionists, which are the minority population, is properly represented and that all the decisions that are made in council, that it's taken in cognizance of that scenario. Remembering that Sinn Féin clearly stated that they wanted to be inclusive and this was not about ostracising unionism or the unionist community. And what we find, personally, is that in 5% of the decisions that are made, and I have to say that, in 5%, that that is not taken into consideration because, naturally enough, they have an agenda that they they feel they have the right to to peddle. I suppose it's something I asked uh, Councillor McGurk about in Causeway. Do you sometimes feel that with the numbers, sometimes in debates it's nearly pointless because you're at the mercy of the mass? I don't say I don't I don't uh, agree with the issue or, or, or your sentiments that it's pointless mm-hmm. because it's about how you approach things and how you tackle that debate and I suppose this is where my uh, experience of years of service comes into play and it's all about tactful approach rationale a reasonable discussion. It's not about venting your your anger, and we we have had our, our fair share of that within local politics. And, and there's times that it's required. There's times I still do it. I'm not going to deny that. But the the whole issue is is it to have a sensible debate, put your points of view forward. If people after that uh, disagree, well, you can agree to disagree. If that's a contradiction of terms, well, then so be it. But you know that, that's just the way it is. I will come back to that point about sensible discussion, but I want to just look at the results of the survey that we did. Mid-Ulster Council comes out quite well on it. Overall, there was a greater amount of trust placed in the local councillors than there would have been in the MLAs and the MPs, is what it indicated. Why do you think that is? I, I, I think that uh, local councillors are uh, closer to the cold face. And, and again, I, I, I would... I would uh, there's horses for courses, and, 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 and there's different places where that would not be portrayed. And one of the issues that I have always said is that you, you, you deal with people with honesty and integrity and openness. And I, I can sit here this morning in front of you in this uh, Zoom meeting and say that I don't have to look over my shoulder. I have no skeletons in my cupboard. Now, not everybody can say that, which is very dif- dis- disappointing because th- those people get councillors and MLAs and MPs bad names. Sometimes, because an individual does not act responsibly or, or well, then everybody is painted with the same broad brush. Whether we have political differences or not within council, I believe in Mid-Ulster that, that the large proportion, if not all of them, deal and work with honesty and integrity. Not enough, they, everybody has their own agenda. All the councils were kind of rated from 1 to 10 on different issues. And the two that come up most strongly for Mid-Ulster were the recycling and the leisure facilities. Is that something the council has had a big push on recently? Yeah, the, the council the council have this, well I, I can go back to Macrofelt days where Macrofelt was ahead of the game out of the three councils. However, naturally enough after the amalgamation, that that was harnessed right across the very, because we, we do see the green issue, for want of a better word, as, as, as very important. 
to the well-being and lives of our community and it makes it makes good business sense as well so we we have promoted that through our schools project and in our in our local communities and wherever we can sell and and, and promote that and it has been a big push uh, to meet our, our recycling targets and mainstream and we just i'm sure you saw the website mm-hmm. the minister council passed a, an application there for a 1.5 million scheme to refurbish the macrofill site to bring it up to date again. So we, we heavily invest um, and, and, uh, and work on that for the benefit again of, of our constituents. On leisure, leisure is also a key issue for the well-being of our constituents. A healthy mind and a healthy body is a healthy person. And therefore, uh, if people have a balanced lifestyle, and I, and I say that uh, very, very genuinely, a balanced lifestyle, and what we find, and we're, we're finding that these surveys and statistics all coming out now, are gearing toward that. But again, I believe that as a council, we were ahead of the game. We have good facilities. Uh, we have state-of-the-art in Macrofell. We have a state-of-the-art in Cookstown, and we have just had a refurbishment in Dungannon there recently, within the last year, uh, to bring it up to standard within our three main towns. And then we have multiple other facilities dotted throughout our rural community. Realising, uh, Liam, that Mid-Ulster spans a massive distance, I think we're 107 square miles. Uh, from north to south, from Swatter to Five Mile Town, is, a, is 55 miles. It's one of the largest hinterlands. We we have still got a, a makeup of 30% living in our towns and hamlets and villages, and 70% in the rural community. So we have to take that all into consideration and make sure that we provide the facilities as close to meeting the needs of all our constituents. The person that lives out in particular mountain range or, or a hamlet away out from our town still deserves the same service as somebody who lives in the town centre. You've been on the council since 1989. How has it changed during your time? I know obviously there have been geographical changes in it, but I'm, I'm talking about the issues. How have, have the issues changed over that period of time? The focus has still very much been people-oriented and constituency-directed. From Macrofell days, the whole issue from the day in our Ecumonta Council was that we were there to serve the people. Remember, that's what we are. We are elected servants of the people. Mid-Ulster people are no different than any other people. If you don't serve and you don't do your job, you'll not be re-elected again irrespective of party political affiliations or not. And when the amalgamation of the councils come together, whilst you're right, it was geographical, and I was a little bit concerned about the localisation of it, maybe getting too big and you losing contact, but that, that didn't seem to happen to the extent that I, I feared. And people are still very much, whilst there's 40 councillors instead of 16, in a room, people are still very much focused on delivering for the Mid-Ulster constituents. Um, I want to just come back to what you mentioned there about sensible discussion at the council meetings. Back in September, you had seconded a motion from a fellow councillor to defund the GAA. Given that there's such a huge GAA community within the area you represent, and particularly to our readership, our readership would be predominantly GAA-based. Um, could you explain why you seconded that motion at the time? Yeah, yeah, well, I'm going to caveat first. First of all, it wasn't just point blank taking the funding away. The funding was to be removed until an investigation was carried out and findings were delivered to council. 
The reason was that there was a particular section of the GA within the Minister District who inappropriately behaved. Now, the situation is, irrespective of whether it was GAA or anybody else, my position would not be any different. If people, if we as council are using ratepayers' money to support somebody who then misbehaves or inappropriately behaves towards a section or a particular group within the community, I, I believe that we have a duty of integrity and honourability to investigate that. And, and what the motion was, if I can remember right, and I'll stand to be corrected on that, is that it was to be withdrawn or withheld until such times as an investigation was sorted out and a proper either an apology or whatever was issued. Now, not good enough because of the makeup of council, the, the motion failed. But th that's a respect. I, I believe that we, we put out a marker. Was, do, you, do you think that's what the motion initially proposed was about, putting down a marker? Yeah, I, I, I mean, at the end of the day, I, I, I would have difficulty in turning around and voting against if, if uh, Sinn Féin or any of the other parties put forward against somebody who would be maybe associated with the unionist section who had misbehaved. I mean, uh, there's, a, there's an, honest, an honourability here that is at stake. And as I said to you earlier in my interview, I can look over my shoulder and I've kept reiterating this to my fellow councillors, providing that you can justify and substantiate why you made a decision and can stand hand and heart over your conscience of why you made that, then nobody can tell you that it's wrong. People people that just spew out their viewpoint for want of, of troublemaking or anything else is not, is not sensible. So sensible debate and, and providing that you can justify the rationale behind your discussion, then to me, that, that's how you progress. And I, I think that's what has made Minister possibly one of the most successful out of the 11 councils. We've had very, very straightforward debates, head-to-head -head debates. And, and that's, that's what it's for. It's a debating chamber. At the end of the day, the outcome will be the outcome. But there's nothing wrong with debate, and there's nothing wrong with healthy debate. That takes me on to the next uh, question, and again, a, a kind of similar thing. In October, there was a discussion about bilingual street signs. You said that signs contain Irish names were like a dog, what a dog does when it when it pees, marking out its territory. Um, yeah. You represent the DEA in which there are many Irish speakers. Do you regret that choice of language? No, because I, I was using it as an analogy, as a, as a representation. And we all know what a dog does. It marks out its territory and if only a dog comes into it, well, it, it knows. The issue is, and I, I again, I'm going to be very upfront and blunt, as I always am, and the macro felt day as I joined the Irish uh, committee or the committee for the, to discuss the Irish languages. And I did it on the caveat that unionism would be listened to and considered in any policy going forward. Out of all the 11 councils, Mid-Ulster has went beyond the spirit of the of the language act in that they have elevated irish above english the the simple thing is that the 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 spirit of the thing is it was to make sure that minority languages were not disregarded now i have no problem 
And I've said this, and I'm on record of saying, I have no problem with Irish-speaking people, and I have plenty of good friends who I know are very passionate about the language. However, I do have to say that there is an element within council who has used the Irish language as a political football. And it's quite evident that if you ask some of those people who actually made such a, a, a humdrum about the Irish language, they couldn't speak one word of it. Yeah, I accept your point that there are people who, who do look to politicise the language, but the, the question I'm really asking is, do you think the language you used at the meeting is in any way dehumanising those people? No, I, 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 I didn't... I wasn't speaking about the Irish language people, I was speaking about the councillors who said that the Sinn Féin, and I'll, I'll just name it, Sinn Féin were using this as a marker. And what, what happens, let me explain that. When you go into a street in anywhere in the middle of and there's no Irish on that side, ten chances to one, it is a unionist majority. Go into another street where there is an Irish sign up at the end of the street, ten chances to one, it is a nationalist majority. Now, what does that tell you? It, it actually divides our community. I, I, I have lived in Macrofelt all my life. I can walk up my street and I can speak to everybody and anybody. Sometimes when I go up on a Saturday for a walk up the town, my wife doesn't want to go with me because she says I talk to too many people. Because that's how it should be. And people respect me for what I am and I respect them for what they are. And that's, that's the essence of, of politics. It's about mutual respect, disagreement, but mutual respect. You mentioned there about Morgan Territory and how if you see a sign that's just in English, you, you can be fairly sure that's a unionist area. Is that something similar to people erecting flags? Would that be a similar kind of analogy? Yes, very much so. And it's something that I am on record of saying as well. I don't believe that we should have that scenario. I believe that we have one flag, we have set dates and times of the year that the Assembly unanimously agreed when it should happen. I, I don't believe in a, in a flag hanging on a flagpole until it's in rags. I, I, I'll go a step further and say I believe that that is a misrepresentation of what that flag stands for. So you're fundamentally and against flying flags on, on street poles and the like? You think it's disrespectful? No. I mean, to me, I think it, 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 there's a, certain, there's a time of the year, and we all know there's a time of the year, and I have no problem. We have worked with our, 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 our bands forum and our community groups within the Mid-Ulster district that when they have a band parade in a particular village or town, that they put it up a couple of nights before and after it goes into a sixth town. Listen, that's what this done. That's the way it should be. A flag should not be left in some tatters. And would, that be, would you agree then that the likes of Matterfeld GAA Club were perfectly entitled to fly their flag in the days before and after the championship victory. Would that follow a similar logic? What are you talking about? What are you talking about? Uh, are you talking about a flag or a GA flag? A GA flag. I don't have an issue. Um, just finally, and to finish on a, a positive note, the council term lasted 2023. Is there any issue particularly that you're passionate about or that you'd like to see achieved in that time? We have a number of fairly sizable capital projects on the agenda. Uh, for going forward. Uh, however, you don't need me to remind you what COVID has done, COVID has done in our community and in our businesses and all the rest of it. 
I think the tar the the the, the work for the Middlesbrough Council going forward is to uh, support our businesses. Uh, we in, in Middlesbrough have nine thousand VAT registered businesses, the largest outside Belfast, and we are known in Middlesbrough as the ultimate air capital of Northern Ireland. Now. We, we can't ignore those people. Those people have come through extremely difficult times and many of them have been pushed to the wire, for want of a better word, in relation to what COVID has done. And the job of the council, whilst we, we haven't got all the answers, but the job of the council, in my opinion, going into this next year is to support our businesses who then in turn support our people. Before COVID hit, we had full employment in Mid-Ulster, which is unique. That never happens before. We, we, were, we were at our capacity as far as employment's concerned and all of that. And, and we have a good, a good record of businesses. Those businesses are many of them are family-run businesses. Those businesses are coming into maybe second and third generation businesses. So the, we can see that they are there for the long haul. They're not quick fixes. And, and the whole key for Middlesbrough Council is their main priority is to establish that link, continue to that link, and to support our businesses in through this next term. And then the capital projects and stuff that we have as well will help to sustain that. And, and continue that work. Okay, good. I'm glad you mentioned business there because from our survey there was a strong 34% who rated the council either 8 or 9 out of 10, 8, 9 or 10 out of 10 for supporting business. So it's clear that that's a passion of yours, not something you want to develop. Yeah, well, I'm in business. I work for a company that is located in the Middle East area. I've been an employee for over 40 years. Um, so we are that's what we that's what we do on a daily basis and the whole issue is about uh sustaining businesses like that who are family run family owned businesses and again as i said there are so many opportunities that come from that we tie in with our schools and i maybe say this in passing that our schools i, I i'm a little bit passionate maybe a little bit uh now, reminded of this, but I think we have the best schools in the whole of, uh, of Northern Ireland. I believe that our teaching profession and the level of quality of our education within the Ulster is second to none. I've been around quite a number of our schools, and I mean, the passion and the effort that our teachers and staff put into the education of our young people, which then follows on into our colleges. And I mean, both the Technical College in Macrofelt and, and also in Dungannon play a very vital part and we all integrate together and link in so that we can deliver for uh, apprenticeships for the needs of our businesses going forward. And that's, that's a key to going forward in this, this term. Thanks for listening to the podcast. If you enjoyed it, give it a share on social media or subscribe via your podcast player of choice. If you have any questions for future guests, get in touch via email on editor at dairypost.com or contact us via our social media channels.